0: Today we are reading from uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, Chapter 13, Dhritarashtra Quits Home Sri Suta Goswami said, While travelling on a pilgrimage, Vidura received knowledge of the destination of the Self from the great sage Maitreya and then returned to Hastinapura. He became as well versed in the subject as he desired. After asking various questions and becoming established in the transcendental loving service of Lord Krishna, Vidura retired from putting questions to Maitremani. When they saw Vidura return to the palace, all the inhabitants, Maharaj Yudhishthir, his younger brothers, Dhritarashtra, Satyaki, Sanjaya, Kripacharya, Kunti, Gandhari, Draupadi, Shubhadra, Uttara, Kripi, Many other wives of the Kauravas and other ladies with children all hurried to him in great delight. It so appeared that they had regained their consciousness after a long period. With great delight, they all approached him as if life had returned to their bodies. They exchanged obeisances and welcomed each other with embraces. Due to anxieties and long separation, they all cried out of affection. King Yudhishthir then arranged to offer sitting accommodations and a reception. So the way people sat also was pre-arranged, depending on their designation, depending on their age, depending on their importance. There were so many. So even, you know, I, I, I know for one thing that back in the day when we used to all sit on the floor and eat, let's say in my grandparents' house, who sat where was always decided by the grandfather or the grandmother. You sit here, you sit here, you sit here. And the order in which people ate was also determined by them. So, typically it used to be the male members first, then the kids and so on and so forth. So, that's typically how it used to go. And so, you see here also, King Yudhishthir then arranged to offer sitting accommodations and the reception. After Vidura ate sumptuously and took sufficient rest, the first thing you do when Atithi or a guest comes home is you take care of his needs. You don't immediately start asking, oh, so what happened? What happened? Please tell us. Please tell us. That's not the way. And this is... So I remember, you know, when, uh, especially when people are in very high stress jobs, the moment they come home, even though the kids and the wife and all wife, daughters, they are eager to find out how the day has been. The best thing you could do is let the person come home, let him relax, take a shower. He's calmed down. He's kind of getting out of that mode of kind of being in the office. And then you start asking him whatever questions you want. Similarly, when somebody is leaving the house and going away, That's a similar thing you do. You don't start saying, oh, please don't forget this, please don't forget that. You don't, you know, they say in Hindi, uh, you know, it means don't stop a person as he's exiting the house because he's already, this happens to me. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing my mind goes to, you know, uh, what my day is going to be like. I'll, of course, you know, worship the Lord and things like that. What is my day going to be like? I, I program today. I've got to do the following things. Now, if that flow of thought is disturbed, then the whole way you're planning this out in your mind is also disturbed. So, it's best not to accost somebody when they're either leaving or when they've arrived. Because when they've arrived, they're tired from their journey. They've got other things. So, slowly you'll unwind from what has transpired earlier. And similarly, when you're going out, you will actually be programmed to go. You've already played through in your mind. So, if you've got to tell somebody that please do the following things tomorrow... Tell them the night before or give the sufficient gap. As a person is walking out the door, don't do something like that. After Vidura ate sumptuously and took sufficient rest, he was comfortably seated. Then the king began to speak to him and to all who were present there. Listened. Maharaja Yudhishthir said, My uncle, do you remember how you always protected us along with our mother from all sorts of calamities? Your partiality like the wings of a bird saved us from poisoning and arson. He was partial to them. Even though he was in the court uh, you know, of uh, let's say uh, Duryodhana, Dhritarashtra. He basically was favorable to them and he would give them information that so that they could be protected. While traveling on the surface of the earth, how did you maintain your livelihood? At which holy places and pilgrimage sites did you render service? My lord, Devotees like your good self are verily holy places personified. Because you carry the personality of Godhead within your heart, you turn all places into places of pilgrimage. My uncle, you must have visited Dwarka. In that holy place are our friends and well-wishers, the descendants of Yadu, who are always wrapped in the services of Lord Shri Krishna. You might have seen them or heard about them. Are they all happily living in their abodes? Thus being questioned by Maharaj Yudhishthir, Mahatma Vidura, Mahatma Vidura, the great personality, Mahatma Vidura gradually described everything he had personally experienced except news of the annihilation of the Yadu dynasty. He leaves that minor detail out because it will just kill everybody. There will be so much in lament. They will be so disturbed. So he does not say that. Compassionate Mahatma Vidura could not stand to see the Pandavas distressed at any time. Therefore, He did not disclose this unpalatable and unbearable incident because calamities come of their own accord. Thus, Mahatma Vidur, being treated just like a godly person by his kinsmen, remained there for a certain period just to rectify the mentality of his eldest brother and in this way bring happiness to all the others. First, he would counsel the eldest. And the eldest would then go and tell everybody else. So, I'll give you an incident. So, my... uh, Uh, eldest son, he was studying and he. I came back from the UK and one fine day he says, why can we go out for a coffee? And I said, sure. But I knew it was like 12 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night and he wanted to go out for coffee and he then springs the news on me. He says, you know what, I don't want to study anymore. So as a father, first it's like you get a kind of a minor heart attack. What? But I knew he was a sane person. He was not, you know, so I asked him, I said, so okay, so what's on your mind? And he says, I want to become a photographer. And uh, I know that the bug of photography got, I mean, he got bitten by the bug of photography when he came to live with me in the UK. And he was using my DSLR. He took a lot of beautiful photographs. And one of my trips when I came back to India for a few days, he says, are you using your DSLR? I said, no, I can manage with my phone. So I gave him my uh, camera. So he developed this great love for photography. He's a person who sees the world through the lens of a camera. He's a very artistic person. And can you imagine, you know, a father hearing that, hey, listen, I don't want to study anymore. So the traditional norm is finish your education, finish your studies. And this was the counsel that everybody gave. Now, the problem was not that. The problem was that I I was fully able, willing, and uh, I still support his decision. He's, he's a great photographer. But can you imagine uh, maybe 20-year-old kid, uh, you know, and he says i don't want to study anymore and i urged him and coaxed him and cajoled, cajoled him saying hey listen you know what please finish here he says no my mind is just not in it and i said photography is a very difficult uh, profession he says yeah i know but i'm going to figure it out and he said it with a great degree of confidence i honestly at that point in time thought that it was possibly a passing fancy and so i indulged him but the big problem was now how do i go and tell his mother my mother? My father and his, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, grandparents from his mother's side. Can you imagine the social pressure from the immediate family? So, the first person I tackled was my dad, the eldest in the family, right? So, Yudhishthira is doing the same thing. AA was, I cannot describe to you what happened. Uh, it was now that we think about it, you know, even, you know, my son will laugh. and says, you you should have seen the expressions on people's faces. And I was a bad guy because I supported him in his dream. I supported his quest. So, but the first person I attacked, to said, listen, Pop, we have a problem. <laughs> we have a problem. He says, my dad also was saying, let him finish his graduation and all. And I said, no, he doesn't want to do it. He says, okay, fine. Let him follow his heart. So, my dad was the easiest to tackle, but not everybody else. So, here also is the same thing. So, does Maharaj Mahatma Vidura, bring? Uh, sorry, ah, so he remained there for a certain period just to rectify the mentality of his eldest brother. And in this way, bring happiness to all the others. So, first he would tackle his elder brother. Once the other elder brother was in his pocket, then all the other things, ducks would line up, you know. So, that's generally how, it's like, it's kind of playing like divide and rule, right? So, when you got like a flanks of people opposing you, do you go and attack everybody? No, you take the weakest link, you crack that weakest link and everything else kind of falls into place like a domino effect, right? So, that's what he did. Smart move, human psychology, 101. So, as long as Vidura played the part of a Shudra, being cursed by Manduka Muni, Aramya officiated at the post of Yamaraja to punish those who committed sinful acts. Having won his kingdom and observed the birth of one grandson, competent to continue the noble tradition of his family, Maharaja Yudhishthir reigned peacefully and enjoyed uncommon opulence in cooperation with his younger brothers who were all expert administrators to the common people. Insurmountable eternal time, imperceptibly overcomes those who are too much attached to family matters and are always engrossed in their thought. Mahatma Vidura knew all this and therefore he addressed Dhritarashtra saying, my dear king, please get out of here immediately. Do not delay. See how fear has overtaken you. This frightful situation cannot be remedied by any person in this material world, my lord, it is the supreme personality of Godhead as eternal time that has approached us all. Whoever is under the influence of supreme kal, eternal time, must surrender his most dear life. And what to speak of other things such as wealth, honor, children, land and home. You got to give up everything. You know, there's a saying from ashes to ashes, dust to dust or dust to dust, ashes to ashes. Right? So you're going to go. You come into this world alone. You go out from this world alone. All your wealth and all is of no meaning. It's no consequence. You can't carry it with you. The only wealth you're going to carry is your good karma, your knowledge, your bhakti, and so on and so forth. That's your true treasure. Your father, brother, well-wishers, and sons are all dead and passed away. You yourself have expended the major portion. Expended the major portion of your life. Your body is now overtaken by individuality and you are living in the home of another it's not your kingdom anymore leave this place you're living on the bits and pieces of a kind and benevolent King yudhishthir he says leave so he's giving him advice it's a question of self-respect right you have been blind from your very birth and recently you have become hard of hearing the Americans have a beautiful saying for this, okay? Old age. So, uh, they say, and I love this saying, I use it all the time. There are a few sayings that I use again and again. It makes people laugh, but it's all very true. Your mind, when you're at a certain age, your mind is issuing checks that your body cannot end cash. What does this mean? Your mind is issuing checks that your body cannot end cash. What does it mean? When you write a check, you get a checkbook when you open a bank account, right? For that check to be honored, what is your check? Check is you giving money to another person, giving him a piece of paper. He takes that piece of paper, goes to the bank and says, give me the money that so-and-so person has instructed you to give me. But imagine, if you go to the bank and there's insufficient balance in your account, that check will bounce. That means that the check will not be honored. So the saying is, Your mind is issuing checks that your body cannot encash. That means your body is frail, it's weak. I want to run at at a high speed, but my body doesn't give me. My mind is ready to run, but my body is not ready to run. My limbs are weak, I'm old, I'm frail. So similarly, he's saying this. Your body is now overtaken by invalidity and you are living in the home of another. You have been blind from your very birth and recently you have also become hard of hearing. Your memory is shortened and your intelligence is disturbed. Your teeth are loose, your liver is defective and you are coughing up mucus. These are all the signs of a person who is not going to make it for very long. Alas, how powerful are the hopes of a living being to continue his life? Nobody wants to die. It's only the very elevated souls who will say, I am ready to go. This material condition, I am I'm, I'm done. I don't want this anymore. I want to leave. I want to go to a better place. Even though I don't know what that better place is, I've heard about it through scripture. I'm willing to take that leap of faith. right? Alas, how powerful are the hopes of a living being to continue his life. You are living just like a household dog and are eating remnants of food given by Bhima. How do we... A dog is completely dependent on you. The dog is, you feed him, he'll eat. Otherwise, he'll be hungry. And you've seen, if you've had dogs, if you had pets, you know, they, when you're sitting, you've you taken your food from your plate and you're putting it in your mouth, your dog is sitting right next to you. And they are the most lovable creatures, mind you. They're beautiful pets, they're so loyal, but they'll be watching your hand go to your mouth and they'll be drooling. They want that food. Similarly, he's telling me, you're like a dog. You're eating the remnants of food that Bhima has given. There is no need to live a degraded life and subsist on the charity of those you tried to kill by arson and poisoning. You supported your son in doing these things. They tried to burn. There was a house of lack, right? And lack will burn. The Pandavas were in that house and they tried to set fire to that house. But they escaped because by they built a kind of a secret tunnel, Right? There is no need to live a degraded life and subsist on the charity of those whom you tried to kill by arson and poisoning. You also insulted their married wife and usurped their kingdom and wealth. What did they do to Draupadi? They tried to rip her sari off and with folded arms, she just prayed to Lord Krishna and the sari never ended. She would have been naked in front of everybody. They dragged her by her hair. And they told her, sit on my lap like a degraded woman. She was a queen. She was a princess. She was a married lady. And this is how they treated her. And this blind king sat and observed this. If we do something wrong, do our parents not chastise us that this is not done? I got whacked by my dad and my mom if I did something wrong. And here's this blind king who is so helpless... So, Dhritarashtra being blind, he was not just blind by sight. He was blind in every possible way. He was degraded. Despite your unwillingness to die and your desire to live even at the cost of honor and prestige, your miserly body will certainly dwindle and deteriorate like an old garment. And what did we learn about the soul, the transmigration of the soul? The body is just like a vehicle for the soul. The body is just like the soul, like we wear, you know, we take new clothes, we discard them when they are old. The soul does exactly the same thing, right? He is, he is called undisturbed who goes to an unknown, remote place and free from all obligations, quits his material body when it has become useless. He is certainly a first class man who awakens and understands Either by himself or from others, the falsity and misery of this material world, and thus leaves home and depends fully on the personality of Godhead residing within his heart. Ultimate faith. I have renounced everything. I am done with my life. My kids are grown up. They have kids of their own. I now need to focus my life on myself. I have sacrificed my entire life for, my, for creating wealth, taking care of my kids and so on and so forth. It's time. For, it's my me time. I need to focus because I'm going to go. And I want to ensure that I want to go to a nice place. I want to go to a better place. You've got, you owe that to yourself. You can't just throw your life away and expect everything to fall into place. You can't just live your life based on luck. You can't just live your life saying, oh, I'll figure it out. Figure it out in a way is a good thing because you're willing to take that leap of faith. But when you do this, at the cost of everything else, it's a very stupid thing to do. Please therefore, leave for the north immediately without letting your relatives know. For soon that time will approach which will diminish the good qualities of men. Go away because the Yadu dynasty is gone. Ghor Kalyug is going to set in. All the good qualities of mankind are going to disappear. You're going to be in the midst of Ghor Kalyug. Kalyug just started. Now with the Yadu dynasty gone, now it's actually the advent is going to start. You'll see all the bad effects. And what are the bad effects of Kalyug? Can you tell me? Unseasonal rains. What does unseasonal rains do? It destroys crops. Because crops expect rain at a certain time for the seeds to germinate, to grow, to flourish. It it, it upsets upsets the entire ecosystem. The whole balance is upset. So these are the signs of Kalyuk. Unseasonal rains. Crows awake at night. Crows should be sleeping at night. Birds should be sleeping at night. They wake up very early in the morning before the sun comes up. Now, why do crows stay awake at night? In fact, if you look at it more analytically, uh, in those days, there were no bright lights. There was candlelight. There was only moonlight. Right? So, there was no bright, glaring, unnatural, artificial light available. So, your body immediately would would go to sleep, would would want to sleep. Try this experiment. Don't look at your phone after 10 o'clock at night. Try this experiment. Try it for a month. It will take a long time because we are all indoctrinated in looking at that damn glaring screen. Try it for a month. I promise you, I promise you, you will sleep. You will not be awake till 3am or 4am or 1am in the morning. Because it's artificial, unnatural light. So when you wake up, try this, when you wake up in the night, maybe to go to the bathroom to pee for a drink or for a sip of water, don't switch on the TV for a few minutes till you fall back to sleep. Don't pick up a book to read till you fall back to sleep. Don't look at your phone when you fall, when, when, when you want to go back to sleep. Ignore, just go, do your business and go back and lie down in bed for 10 minutes, you will fall asleep. Yeah, there's no distraction because the moment you've distracted your mind, your mind started working, it's now agitated. You've seen a message from somebody and you want to respond. And if you're on 20,000 groups, you're in trouble, man. You're in trouble. I used to be like this, you know, for a long time. In fact, my, my, my colleagues used to make fun of me. I, you know, the Blackberry had just been launched. It was the first fancy phone where you have instant access to all your mails on a device. You've got instant access to BBM Blackberry Messenger on a device. So the moment I caught a flight, it was an eight-hour flight, ten-hour flight. I was traveling to the U.S., traveling wherever. My phone's turned off, obviously, right? The moment I land, so I used to have this holster. So, I'll enact for you. My my friends used to imitate my colleagues. So uh, you know, it's like this. You you uh, there to be this clip on your belt, okay? And my phone was tucked in, yes, it was in my bag. The moment the flight landed, I'd get my bag, take out the BlackBerry, put that clip on, switch it on. And the moment I switch it on, it'll go like, ting, ting, ting. Like, there's 100 messages that have come in the 14, 15 hours. And I, like a gun, I'm drawing my gun from my holster. Tick, 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 go on. And I was so super fast on that damn BlackBerry. I go bang, 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 bang. Even I type, I hit the keyboard like it's, it, I'm going to kill it. And uh, my friends, my colleagues would make fun of me. He says, you are like a western gunslinger with that blackberry. In fact, my bosses and my colleagues and my peers made fun of me. And there was one particular incident which was particularly funny. So my boss and another peer of mine, we were at the same level. They were together. I was at home. They were in another time zone. They were in another time zone. It was like, I think, 3 a.m. in the morning. Okay. And they were sitting together having a drink and they placed a bet. The bet was how long is Sumir going to take to reply to this email? I replied in two seconds. Somebody lost the bet and they lost a lot of money on that because my response was bang. And I used to be like a gunslinger on that boom, 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 boom. Now, no. I turn my phone off. Well, I don't switch my phone off, but it's on silent. If I'm expecting something to transpire in the night, then I will keep it on vibrate. So the vibrate's not going to ring. It's going to vibrate. So if I'm in deep sleep, that, that vibrate is not going to impact me at all. So anyway, so these are the distractions that you have when you kind of want to sleep. So these are the signs of Kalyug. Artificial light, crows not able to kind of sleep, birds not able to sleep, animals upset in the night. The whole balance is upset. And what happens when we lose sleep? What happens when we lose sleep? We wake up tired. We wake up frustrated. We snap at other people. Because that material energy is so strong. It's, and we are, we are sleep deprived. It's creating a problem for us. So he says, go to the north. Don't tell your relatives. Because Kalyug is going to come. And Ghor Kalyug so. Which will diminish the qualities of all men. Thus Maharaja Dhritarashtra. The Siyan of the family of Ajamida, Finally, firmly convinced by introspective knowledge, Prajna broke at once the strong network of familial affection by his resolute determination. He got slapped in the face by Vidur. Vidur kind of told him you know, the truth. They say Sanatan Satya. Told him the truth. Buddy, enough is enough. You are Buddha. You not to your You are a Buddha. Somebody throwing a dog a bone and you are eating that bone. You try to kill those people. They are still kind to you. You are living in somebody. He told it to him straight in a very respectful way. He probably sugarcoated everything he spoke. Not that's how sugar-coated, He said it like it is, but he kind of told him as it was, but in a nice way. So that slap in the face woke him up. So he broke at once the network of strong familial affection by his resolute determination. Thus, he immediately left home to set out on the path of liberation and as directed by his younger brother Vidura. He should have been the wiser one. The gentle and chaste Gandhari, who was the daughter of King Subala of Kandhar or Gandhara, Afghanistan, followed her husband. Seeing that he was going to the Himalaya mountains, which are the delight of those who have accepted the staff ...of the renounced order, like fighters who have accepted a good lashing from the enemy. So the, you know, our swamis are these dandis, no? That's the staff of the renounced order of life. So that's what he does. Maharaja Yudhishthir, whose enemy was never born, performed his daily morning prayers, daily morning duties... ...by praying, offering fire sacrifice to the sun god, and offering obeisances, grains, cows, land and gold to the brahmins. This was their daily routine. He then entered the palace to pay respects to the elderly. Look at his chronology of what he does. First, he do his duties. Then he goes and pays respect to the elders. However, he could not find his uncle or aunt, the daughter of King Subala. Maharaj Yudhishthir, full of anxiety, turned to Sanjaya who was sitting there and said, "Oh Sanjaya, where is our uncle who is old and blind? Sanjaya was his assistant. Where is my well-wisher uncle Vidura and mother Kandari who is very afflicted due to her son's demise?" My uncle Dhritarashtra was also very mortified due to the death of all his sons and grandsons. Undoubtedly, I am am very ungrateful. Did he therefore take my offences very seriously and along with his wife drown himself in the Ganges? When my father Pandu fell down and we were small children, these two uncles gave us protection from all kinds of calamities. They were always our good well-wishers. Alas, where have they gone from here? Sutta Goswami said, because of compassion and mental agitation, Sanjaya, not having seen his own master, Dhritarashtra, was aggrieved and could not properly reply to Maharaj Yudhishthir. I want to make a quick note here. Where's my notebook? Because I read something here that I probably had missed before. In spiritual life, when, some, when you say... And I, I, I think that may be it, but I don't know. Not an authority. So in spiritual life, when you say somebody fell down... It means that he gave up his religious practices. So that is the meaning. I am I'm, I'm, I need to kind of figure this one out. I don't know. Yeah, but it says here that when my father Pandu fell down, I, I, I need to kind of research this. Yeah, my memory also kind of tells me or whatever I know, little I know, also seems to tell me that Pandu was killed. I'm going to check this. They were always our good well-wishers. Alas, where have they gone from here? Suta Goswami said, Because of compassion and mental agitation, Sanjay not having seen his own master, Dhritarashtra was aggrieved and could not properly reply to Maharaja Yudhishthir. First, he slowly pacified his mind by intelligence. And wiping away his tears and thinking on the feet of his his master, Dhritarashtra, he began to reply to Maharaja Yudhishthir. Our gut reaction when we are faced with some calamity or bad news is we go to pieces. We don't tackle anything intelligently, we react. That reaction sets off a chain reaction as we've seen. Anger, last anger, one by one, one by one, one by one, right? Look at what he does. He first slowly pacified his mind by intelligence. And he was aggrieved. And wiping away his tears and thinking of the feet of his master Dhritarashtra, he began to reply to Maharaj Yudhishthir. He thought, Socho Samjo karo. Think, understand, then act. We just jump into it. We just act. Gut feel. I do that all the time. I am a major gut reaction kind of a person. I go on impulse. I guess I am very fortunate that a lot of my impulses are spot on. But I am wrong very often. And I suffer the consequences of that. Sanjay said, My dear descendant of the Kuru dynasty, I have no information of the determination of your two uncles and Gandhari. So uncles, Vidura and Dhritarashtra have disappeared and the aunt. Oh king, I have been cheated by those great souls. They abandoned me and left me and went away. They didn't tell me where they are going. They cheated me. While Sanjay was thus speaking Sri Narad, Narayan Naray, the powerful devotee of the Lord, appeared on, appeared on the scene carrying his Tumbal. Maharaj Yudhishthir and his brothers received him properly by getting up from their seats and offering obeisances. Respect first. Maharaj Yudhishthir said, Oh godly personality, I do not know where my two uncles have gone, nor can I find my ascetic aunt who is grief-stricken by the loss of her sons. You are like the captain of a ship in a great ocean and you can direct us to our destination. Thus addressed the godly personality Devarishi Narada, the greatest ...of the philosopher devotees began to speak. Sri Narada said, O pious king, do not lament for anyone. For everyone is under the control of the Supreme Lord. Therefore all living beings and their leaders carry on worship to be well protected. It is he only who brings them together and disperses them. As a cow, bound by the nose, by a long rope, is conditioned. So also human beings are bound by different Vedic injunctions... And are conditioned to obey the orders of the supreme. As the player sets up and disturbs his, disrupts his playthings, disperses his playthings, according to his own sweet will. So, the supreme will of the Lord brings men together and separates them. Don't lament that they are gone. O king, in all circumstances, whether you consider the soul to be an eternal principle, or the material body to be perishable, or everything to exist in the impersonal absolute truth, or everything to be an inexplicable combination of matter and spirit, feelings of separation are due only to illusory affection and nothing more. It's the illusory energy of the Lord, Maya. They say Moha Maya, right? Therefore, give up your anxiety due to ignorance of the self. You are now thinking of how they who are helpless poor creatures will exist without you, old frail people. This gross material body made of five elements is already under the control of eternal time. Remember what we said, the moment you are born is the moment that you begin to die. Your death is predetermined, it's a matter of when. What are you lamenting about? So, it's already under the control of eternal time, Kaala, action, karma and the modes of material nature, guna. How then can it, being already in the jaws of the serpent, protect others? Those who are devoid of hands are prey for those who have hands. Look at the food chain. Those who are devoid of hands are prey for those who have hands. Those devoid of legs are prey for the four-legged. The weak are the subsistence of the strong. And the general rule holds that one living being is food for another, the food chain. The animal kingdom. Look at it. Dinosaurs, so on and so forth. It's the food chain. The bigger fish eat the smaller fish. Plain and simple. Rich people exploit poor people. Food chain. It's all there. It's a thumb rule. It's a general idea. It's the what I keep calling, you know, the eighty twenty rule. In the stock markets, 80% of people have got to lose money for 20% of the people to make money. That's how it works. In reality, we keep talking about, you know, these fantastic principles when we do business and stuff. You know, we say it's a win-win situation. There's no win-win situation. Somebody's got to lose for somebody to gain. The only thing is somebody makes more money, somebody makes less money. Plain and simple. It's the cardinal rule. If you are in a weak position, you will be exploited. If you are in a strong position, you will exploit. The trick is to be fair. Principles of equity and justice, which in Kali Yuga is not going to happen. Therefore, O oh King, you should look to the Supreme Lord only, who is one without second and who manifests himself by different energies and is both within and without. The Supreme, that Supreme Personality of Godhead, Shri Krishna, in the guise of all devouring time, Kala Rupa, has now descended to the earth to eliminate the envious from the world. The Lord has already performed his duties to help the demigods and he is awaiting the rest. You Pandavas may wait as long as the Lord is here on earth. Your time will also come. You are not going to be live forever. But you are his eternal associates. So when the Lord goes, take that as your cue and you exit as well. Plain and simple. Your boss is gone. Leave. Go home. O king, your uncle Dhritarashtra, his brother Vidura and his wife Kandari have gone to the southern side of the Himalayan mountains where are the shelters of the great sages. The place is called Saptasarota divided by seven because there the waters of the sacred Ganges were divided into seven branches. This was done for the satisfaction of the seven great rishis on the banks of Saptarosa, sapt let me pronounce this sapt, on the banks of saptasrota dhritarashtra is now engaged in beginning ashtanga yoga by bathing three times daily in the morning noon and evening by performing the agnihotra sacrifice with fire and drinking only water this helps one control the mind and the senses and frees one completely from thoughts of familial affection One who has controlled the sitting postures, the yogic asanas and the breathing practices can turn the senses toward the absolute personality of Godhead and thus become immune to the contaminations of the mode of material nature, namely mundane goodness, passion and ignorance. And I've talked about this so many times. It like touches a nerve when people tell me, oh, I'm doing yoga. And I kind of inwardly, I roll my eyes. Sometimes I do it very overtly rather than covertly yoga do you even know what it is give me a break it's being said it's told here what is yoga what is it that you are doing what is yoga one who has controlled the sitting postures the yogic asana is what they teach you and the breathing process which they also teach you can turn the senses toward the absolute personality of god and that they don't teach you they teach you om bhur bhava swa end of story Nobody tells you that all of this is only a preparation for you to take that next step because you've got like a bodybuilder. You want to carry a heavy weight, you start with a lightweight. First control your body, then control your mind. I mean, then, then control your breathing. That will control your mind. Then will you will control your senses. And only when all of that is done, then you will go and start seeking the absolute truth. I'm going for yoga. I'll wear very tight outfits. Full body fit, I'll go there and see what everyone is looking like, ah, very nice, and yoga. Yoga. I'm going to the gym, same damn story. I abhor these gyms. I am sorry, it's personal. It's a fashion show, man. I do it, I go cycling, I wear outfits that show off my physique. I do it too, I'm guilty but for me it's a bodily discipline but I am amused I mean I am very amused all these yoga shalas and all are baba. anyway the, I, I start ranting so let me stop <laughs> okay Dhritarashtra will have to amalgamate his pure identity with intelligence and then merge into the supreme being with knowledge of his qualitative oneness as a living entity with the supreme Brahman being freed from the blocked sky He will have to rise to the spiritual sky. He needs to break that barrier. He will have to suspend all the actions of the senses, even from the outside. And will have to be impervious to interactions of the senses, which are influenced by the modes of material nature. After renouncing all material duties, he must become immovably established beyond all sources of hindrances on the path. Another one about this yoga Shalas. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm going back to this. But it's, it gets me going. You know, there are a couple of places here in Mysore, right? Where this yoga crowd hangs out. I won't take the name. It's in Gokulam. You know, you you probably know what I'm talking about, right? I'm sitting there socializing, having my pizza, burger, everything. All fine. Eat your food. You're doing yoga, no? Follow everything. No, I will follow what suits me. I'm doing yoga. I have Ashtanga class today. Okay. I am very passionate about it and I know what I am saying is the truth and I haven't named names. I haven't named names, right? You guys told me, don't name names. I haven't named names. O king, he will quit his body most probably on the fifth day from today and his body will turn to ashes. While outside, observing husband who will burn in the fire of mystic power along with his thatched cottage, his chaste wife will enter the fire with rapt attention. This is another very interesting topic. Sati. Let's come back to this later. Let's park this one. Sati. Vidura. Being affected with delight and grief. Will then. Delight and grief. Delight because his elder brother is gone. Kandhari has achieved her destination. Will leave that place of six. So he's gone there only to guide them. Old. Blind. Frail. So as a younger brother, is doing his duty by taking them there. Having spoken thus, the great sage Narada, along with his Veena, ascended into outer space. He was a he was a spaceman, he was a dude. Narayan, Narayan, ting, another planet, ting, another planet. Astral traveling? No, astral. Physical, body, mind, direct Tokyo. Phenomenal. I, traveling, traveling in space, ascended into outer space. Yudhishthir kept his instruction in his heart and so was able to get rid of all lamentations. So that is the end of chapter 13, which is Dhritarashtra quitting home. So what did, just to summarize it, what did, so Vidura comes, he suppresses this information about the Yadu dynasty being annihilated. He meets the thruster, says, Yeah, like one dog lying over here. You're eating the remnants that Bhima leaves you. To Buddha. You do You not You can't hear the damn thing. Your, 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 your bones are frail. You can't do anything. Your memory is gone. You can't remember half the stuff that's going on. It's time for you to leave. Now go to the north quietly. And do what you are supposed to be doing. Stop hanging on to life. As it is you are half dead. No. Go now. Pray quietly. Go to your next home. So he follows that. So that basically is the, per, the, per, the uh, sum and substance of chapter thirty. Dhritarashtra quitting home.